what you want, when you want it, where you want it. This is The Mesh. Foot Candle Films. Film news and reviews from two guys who really like movies. This episode is brought to you by the Foot Candle Film Society. For a schedule of upcoming screenings and membership information, visit the Society's website at www.footcandle.org. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Foot Candle Films here on TheMesh.tv. My name is Alan. Across from me at our podcast recording studio table is Chris. Hello, listeners, all two, four, maybe ten of you? Uh, we, uh, we're, we're batting... Who knows? Somewhere between numbers. five and a thousand. <laughs> That's what we know oh, we have right now. Okay. I can where take it's a that. pretty wide range we're dealing with. So however many of you are listening, welcome back. Going to go with 721. I think that sounds like a perfect estimate. That's almost like- exactly what I was going to say, too. <laughs> um, okay. Regardless of how many of you are out there listening, thank you. We're wel- welcoming you back. Uh, this is Foot Candle Films. This is our show on the TV where we talk about films, talk about movies. Generally, the format of the show is as follows. We have one to two films that we will review and discuss. Uh, we'll have some movie news to share as well. And Chris and I do a little ping pong back and forth with some news items. And then we both wrap up the show with our recommendation for the episode, uh, a movie or something that we feel like you ought to be checking out if you're not already. So, Chris, today we have two big science fiction blockbuster films to review which is a little odd for us most of our times we we integrate some independent smaller films well today not so much (laughs) it is we have the latest uh, iteration of ghostbusters the paul fig uh written and directed film starring uh, a a slew of very very funny and talented women and then we have the next uh version of the star trek franchise star trek beyond Correct. Um, this time instead of being directed by jj abrams we are actually treated to the directorial efforts of mr justin lynn so that's our two films then we're going to do our news then we'll do our our recommendations at the end of the show ready to get started let's do it all right let's get into our first review which is the film ghostbusters We have dedicated our whole lives to studying the paranormal. Now there's sightings all over the city. There are people out there that need our help. Holtzman, you're a brilliant engineer. Aaron, no one's better at quantum physics than you. We can provide a real service. I'm joining the club. You guys are really smart about this science stuff, but I know New York. And I can borrow a car from my uncle. You didn't disclose that the vehicle was going to be a hearse. It's a Cadillac. Chris, I know your your feelings on the original 1984 Ghostbusters. I know you love it. I've recommended it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I sure. mean, it's, I've seen your letterbox rating. I know how you feel. We've talked about it. And I'm in the same boat. It is one of my top 20 films. I just love Ghostbusters. Not only did it hit for me at just the right time age-wise where I just really liked the fact that it was a little scary right very funny oh yeah you know it was a good uh, special effects science fiction film at the time it just worked it was just worked on so many different planes when it came out and it's still one of those classics i could pop on anytime and still laugh along with it um i was trepidatious when i heard that they were going to be rebooting or remaking or whatever they decided to call it ghostbusters right uh 
you and I had a conversation a few episodes ago about some of the online clamor around the fact that it was for females doing this. Now, um, right. personally, I could not care less. And I happen to think that these four women are very, very funny. I have seen them all do things in different films that I thought were really, really good or on Saturday Night Live or other shows. So that's the least of my worries. That's not even a worry <laughs> at this. Sure. I honestly went into this wondering, is this going to be just a complete rehash of the 1984? Or are they going to try to do something different, not gender related? You know, gotcha. instead of just dropping in four women, are we going to just have four women being Ghostbusters? And that's that, but it's the same thing we had in 84. So that's really where I want to start the conversation. You know, was there a point to making this Ghostbusters other than to have just four females in the lead? Do you see this as something that has any film merit that has added to our film culture <laughs> as, as an overall, other than just the fact that, hey, there's four women as Ghostbusters now? Right. I mean, I think, you know, we had talked about the whole controversy, and you and I are both on the same page that we don't care if it was four, you know, stalks of broccoli doing Ghostbusters. It doesn't. You know, Which I hear that's, that's next, next on the production next slate. Yeah. Make a good movie, yeah. and it doesn't matter how you want to reinterpret it. Do I think that it needed to be reinterpreted? Well, you know, I would have never thought Toy Story needed three versions of it. But they ended up, and they were good. They were you good. Because it's kind of like, where can you go? The toys know that, you know, trying to be real or what? You know, who, who, you know, who knows? And, you know, I, when I heard they were going to make, you know, they made a second Ghostbusters. A lot of people didn't like it. I have not revisited that one, unfortunately. But I remember not being as cranky about it as everybody else. Like, yeah. I, I I thought it was okay. Like, you know, but they're getting, okay. I, haven't, I haven't seen it in a really long time. Yeah. Um, so when I, you know, a lot of people were clamoring for new Ghostbusters. Uh, Ramus died. Yeah. And at that point, that was kind of when, like, okay, maybe we're not going to do anything. And then it was like, well, how, you know, Bridesmaids had come along and Paul Feig. And they're like, okay. This is our new idea. And they said four females. I was like, oh, if you're going to redo it, why not just forget all the old stuff and mm -hmm. bring this in and, and do it? Sure. So, you know, and then we had all the Internet controversies. So I totally get why they do it. I mean, you want to make money. You have this what could be a franchise. I get it. I am saddened, however, that I really thought this movie was pathetic. Um, really? And it gives me absolute. you know, a lot of times I come in here and I'm like, ah, you know, if I really didn't like a movie – I kind of enjoy railing on it just because it makes for an interesting podcast discussion. If Alan mm -hmm. and I always agreed, that'd be kind of boring. Right. Um, I really was sad at how let down I was by this movie. Not that I thought it was going to be perfect or anything, but I just, and it has nothing to do with the four female leads. It has nothing to do sure. with that. Well, tell I me, tell me why. You I feel, feel like, like it was just lazy. Okay. Well, tell the me, movie tell me why. was lazy. Well, well, tell me why you feel that way. Um, Okay. <laughs> so we don't. We're just I, have gonna, a, like, I, have not, I have a list, ladies and gentlemen. Do you, and normally, you have a list? normally, wow. you know, we try to. Do, but since you've asked me, no, no. Well, let me, well, do let me we want to do up. positives? Because I can do. I'd like. I'd like mm. to try to focus on what I That's thought was good about. I, the film. I'll tell you this. I, 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 I have a more positive opinion of this film than you do. Um, well, I thought it was passable entertainment. Now that's faint praise. I said passable, and what I mean by that is. I can sit for an hour and 56 minutes and watch this movie and not feel like at the, at the end of the time, I didn't feel like I wasted my time. I was disappointed. We're, in, we're different in that. Okay. <laughs> I was disappointed in many, many aspects. Oof. Let me be very clear about that. Okay. I'm sure the list you have, I can probably echo most of them as well. Where I came out of this, Chris, is that I really tried hard to say to myself, 
if there was not a 1984 Ghostbusters starring Bill Murray, directed by Harold Ramis, if that never existed, how would I feel about this film? And the fact of the matter is, I would like this film a whole lot better if the 1984 one didn't, didn't exist. I think where this film really bombs out is when it tries to reference the 84 version. Every instance of them doing that, I think, falls flat all the way through the film. Okay. So that's my, I guess I'm saying, I came out of it more positive and saying I thought it was adequate. I thought for someone who had never seen the 84 version, they probably would enjoy this film. It is lazy. There is a lot of sloppy writing in it. Yeah. But I thought it was enjoyable. However... I have to be able to carve out the 84 and say, forget about that altogether for me to actually even say it's passable entertainment. Well, and okay. So, so what positives did you do? Did you pull let, from me, let me Let's do, do that. Cause mm-hmm. man, this is <laughs> mm-hmm. okay. Chris Hemsworth. Yeah. I've gone on record saying before that I like him, which I'd never expected a guy playing Thor. I would find <laughs> that amazing or interesting or whatever. Yeah. This just convinces me that I will probably see almost anything he's in because I really like him that much and his role in the comedy with him. And, you know, granted, you know, the Kristen Wiig and the, the other, you know, Melissa McCarthy, Kate McKinnon, all, you know, all the people, they're there in the scenes with him. It's not mm. him just doing it alone. So they're having to feed off one another. But for somebody who's not known to be a comedic actor, they are supporting him doing the comedy. But those were the best parts of this movie for me whenever he was on screen and the the going back and forth between them yes he's an airhead secretary guy Mm -hmm. and they hire him because obviously he looks handsome and all that kind of stuff but that was the funniest stuff about this movie the other stuff wasn't funny to me didn't work and i think it could suffer from a little bit of if you're not making an action comedy, if it's just a comedy where you can kind of have loose writing, have a lot of improv, which, you mm-hmm. know, apparently Bridesmaids probably did, and some of the other movies that Paul Feig's done, they use a lot of improv. And in this instance, to me, it just really didn't work, except for the secretary scenes. For whatever reason, maybe because they were more reined in. I, I, I don't know. Well, but, you, you almost get the impression, just like the, the, the interview scene with Kevin you almost get the impression that scene was let's sit down and hear some general ideas of where we want this conversation to go. Girls, ladies, uh, and, and Mr. Hemsworth just have at it. <laughs> right. And they probably went for a few hours recording different riffs on things and got a ad kind of an ad lib version of something that had right. the most Paul Feig type of dialogue scene to it. Like reminded me of bridesmaids a lot more was that scene with the interview. Cause it's really three or four of them sitting around the table just talking about about several different topics. So I agree with you. I thought that was, I thought his role was really, really well done. I thought it was funny. And maybe, maybe that's why that is the part that worked because that is in Mr. Feig's wheelhouse. Whereas action scenes are Action scenes don't lend themselves to science fiction. Kind of riffing. Maybe not. Yeah. And so, or, well, anytime you've got special effects you're dealing with and big action set pieces and big sets, you, it doesn't lend itself to riffing and no. just having more comedic dialogue between them. Yeah. I'll say another positive for me was I've never, a lot of people criticize Kristen Wiig maybe that she kind of gets stuck in kind of a character rut. She kind of mm-hmm. never bothered me before. Mm-hmm. I will say that criticism of Melissa McCarthy, usually very loud mm-hmm. and over the top swearing a lot yeah. and just being this typical, I felt both of them were kind of underplaying and understated in this. Mm-hmm. And I liked them a lot. I felt yeah, I like they, 
they allowed it to be more of a team movie because you've got four main people. So that was good. And then I will say I was comfortable at first with how they started it. I liked the opening tour of the haunt, the house, mm-hmm. the mansion mm-hmm. thing. I really, I really liked that. And I had a kind of a good feeling. You're it was only a good feeling at that point. Yeah. So. It was only, you know, the, it had me at the beginning, but then, um, and here's where we will slide into the, the slide into the negatives as the references to the original started coming in. Yeah. My, it was kind of like, I understand there's going to be some, but there was so much fan service or so yeah. I, I started shrugging and the cameos went from slightly interesting Bill Murray. Mm-hmm. It was, it was referential, but yet kind of, it was an interesting, it was an actual interesting written cameo to me. He Bill, actually had a, a role in the film. He had a role. I mean, there was an actual part. It wasn't right. just a passing in a scene and right. saying something. So I, I actually, although thought, I thought when he first appeared on a TV screen, I thought, okay, well that's going to be the cameo. But then he actually showed there. up later and had a somewhat interesting scene. And so, I, yeah. I liked that. Yeah. Every other one kept going down. I'm with you on that. I was I'm just like, you. Oh, leave it alone. Don't, you know, just don't do it. And like Dan Aykroyd's was so bad. I wanted to throw something at the screen. Yeah, I mean, no, it was I just I'm with you. so very bad. Um, <laughs> so we've, I've said that, um, Kate McKinnon, Mm-hmm. I don't get her. Wait, 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 wait. wait. She, she's on your negative list? She's on my negative. Oh, Chris. Um, interesting in that we reviewed Popstar, and one of the strengths of that was I no longer watch Saturday Night, Saturday Night Live. I don't. I just mm. don't. Not, you know, I would like to. I just, you know, just can't fit in my schedule or whatever. And I hadn't seen one of the funniest things about that movie, which was the Bin Laden thing. And I was glad that I hadn't seen mm. it. And that actually increased my appreciation of the movie. Fast forward to this movie. I'm not really aware of who Kate McKinnon is mm. at all. Um, I think she has been in some movies I've seen. I think she was in Trainwreck, maybe. Um, I'm not sure. Uh, or maybe a I bit part. I'm that. not sure. Yeah. She, but, had, um, she hasn't really had a big part She hasn't had a break. Yeah, if she know. was in it, she was small because that was Amy right. Schumer's movie. But so not really aware of her. I didn't get her at all like i was confused by her like what? am i and you know okay maybe that's the point of her but like it was like she was in a different movie than the other three of them were Le- leslie what's her leslie jones, leslie jones. Mm-hmm. yeah i thought she was good and she kind of fit mm-hmm. with the group but kate mckinnon like i didn't understand her i didn't know what she was doing it was just she was distracting. She was, and maybe that's because I'm not, I don't know, like, oh, that's her thing. Like, you know, you see well, Will Ferrell, then you see him in a movie, and you're like, she's, oh, that's Will Ferrell's thing. Maybe she's yeah. playing her persona from Saturday Night Live. No, she didn't really have a persona. She's a very talented comedian. She, wow. in a very, very wide ranging, I mean, she can do straight, she can do completely off the wall. I thought her character was really interesting. And I her hated character, her character. I, her character is the only one I felt like that they just kind of said, you know, let's just kind of let that one go and be see what it turns into. Where the other ones had very scripted, you know, we got to be this way. We got to be kind of, this is our role. This is our personality. I I liked it. I, thought I it guess I can admire that they didn't carbon copy. But I didn't feel like with any of the roles of the people in the film, mm. I didn't feel like they carbon copied. They kind of mashed together the characters from the original movie to get the four Ghostbusters? I think they had enough difference between the four. The, the four, the characters they wrote for the four were interesting and different. And they didn't just say, well, we need a, a Spangler and we need a Dr. Venkman. Venkman. You know? right, so right. It was a good mixture. Of, and I guess, you know. 
Yeah, I, I just, I could not get a feel for her character at all. I, like, she, I didn't feel like I she was, the fact that she's, she's supposed to come up with these gizmos. I didn't feel like she was really smart because she didn't. Oh, she's, she's a genius, but she's just demented genius. I mean, she's. Right. It's like a, she's playing. Okay. Yeah. She's playing like this mad scientist, demented genius mm-hmm. from like a kid's movie, like a G rated movie. Like, Oh, I'm a wacky scientist. Ooh, watch me do the music video. Or like she did singing to Kristen Wiig. She did that musical thing. That was just weird. I like just, so like, and I think I'm alone on this because a lot of people, they'll slam the movie, but say like, Oh, I love Kate McKinnon. And you know, they didn't really let her run free. I'm like, I can't imagine her running any freer than what she was. I just didn't get her at Oh. Well, also too, I thought I thought she was one of the only characters that again was doing the was allowed the Paul Feig kind of let the characters be a little more interesting and bizarre. Everybody else was so tightly scripted. I felt like and just okay, especially Leslie Jones. All right, let me just talk about that. Okay, a I think it's a little lazy that it's the same. Okay, well we have the three. I mean, this is this is not a racial conversation. I just think it's a little too much in the, the, the same pegs that they had, you know, all the back in 1984. All right. We have our three scientists. Now we have to add the fourth person. And that fourth person just has to be someone who works in the streets kind of thing. And, you know, they don't know science, but we're going to add them to the club and they're there and they're still kind of an add on. They don't really play an integral role all the way through the movie at all. I thought that was lazy. I thought that was kind of dumb. And I just wish they'd mixed it up a little bit more. Right. Why couldn't the African-American woman bid one of the lead scientists? You know what would have made more sense to me? If, like you're saying, granted, you know, it's how they decided to – that was kind of a weak thing too that it relied too much on the other. But I still liked her character. Leslie, like I got her. She made sense to me and she didn't irritate me like Kate McKinnon. Had they switched it? And had her be like the scientist one who was just there mm-hmm. being science and had Kate McKinnon be like the add on that just comes to help them from out of nowhere. That actually would have made sense yeah, to me because she was so bizarre and just yeah. seemed to be like, odd. I, uh, I just, well, I thought Kate McKinnon was great, but again, I may have also been coming in with the fact that I've seen her on Saturday night live for a couple of years. I think she's great. I've, hmm. The funniest skits on Saturday night live these days are the ones that she's in. And she, really? She can go completely off the wall, but she can also play really, really smart. I mean, she's just a very diverse actress. Was she as funny in this as as I've seen her in other things? No, Uh, she wasn't. And there were a few moments, a few scenes I thought were really, it was a little odd, a little strange the way they played that one out. But um, I I thought thought she was good. I thought she was really good. I had her as one of the strengths of the film. Huh, okay. Um, I will say a couple more strengths real quick before sure. you hit the rest of your negatives. Um, <laughs> sure. Because I see there's a few more on your list. There, there are. I, um, but... I will say I like the way the ghosts look. Oh, yeah. I thought the look of the ghosts, the, uh, the the effects, the style of them, they were creepy and they really looked cool. I really love the way the, the ghosts look. So I like that. Yeah. Um, I will say that I thought... Kate McKinnon's fight scene with the ghost, which you probably did not like, but I thought was really, really cool. It was just, we haven't seen a Ghostbuster kick ass before. Okay. You know, even the guys back in the 84, you know, it was still pretty limited, like them actually tussling with ghosts. It was pretty, pretty simple. It was like stand in a row and I'll shoot your lasers at the same place. (laughs) Actually seeing her go and just tear through, you know, a bunch of them in a cool choreographed scene, I thought was really fun. And then I like Kevin. I like the Hemsworth character. 
Um, Kevin was obviously, he's my, my strong point. Those are my likes. Okay. That was the end of my likes. I did have a lot of issues as well. So go ahead and hit the rest of yours. I'm sure we may be in sync on a few of these. Um, Neil Casey, who plays yeah. Rowan, who's the bad guy. The bad guy. I, I don't know if it was just, you know, I guess they started making the movie and they already had enough like conflict with the internet that they kind of maybe, I don't know if this was already written this way or they actually started weaving that into the story because he's basically a disenfranchised, seemingly kind of geeky dude, Mm -hmm. um, which is fine. But to me, he just wasn't interesting. No, no, not interesting He was playing, and it was a, it was a choice. It was a playing a disenfranchised nerd, but doing it in a very like uninteresting way, I guess. And it just, he bored me every time he came on screen. Now, interestingly enough, um, he then kind of, uh, spoiler, kind of transforms into transforms you know, yeah. into Kevin. Yeah, and you know Hemsworth then is even more interesting than he was before. Like I, yeah. that worked for me. So it's yeah. like I think that was just kind of whether well, it was the mis- was whether weak. it was miscast yeah. or he just didn't have a lot to work with. I don't know. But that that the villain as a whole work. was was it's really unclear why anything's going on. <laughs> yes. I mean, I'll admit it, the, the, the villain's not compare, compelling. We don't understand why he's doing what he's doing. And I still don't quite understand exactly what is happening that he's trying to make happen. I, I, I don't, it doesn't quite all gel together. So it's more of a, we just need to get from set pace piece a to set piece B and we need a character to drive us there. Right. And that seemed to be all he was doing. So I, I'm with you on that. So quickly, I'm going to run through um, the throwbacks because I've referenced that that was a weak part. You know, and the worst ones we've already touched on, yeah. the cameos, they are the worst of what didn't work I for me with this. I completely agree. Yeah. Now, following that, unfortunately, um, the logo origin, yeah, that would dumb. Be- and I just, you kind of knew where it was going from the moment they oh, started doing Oh, you mean the spray it. paint? Oh, yeah. yeah. That, that was and a it was just, horrible, horrible scene. And it just... No, I agree. Just, I, it was cringeworthy to watch that. Um the final battle, uninteresting mm. and boring, and too much of a relying on without spoiling exactly what the final battle can say. But it's you know it's still set in the city, but like the battling a big final enemy, and it just it was too. It was a little too, too referential. Too, too referential. I will say, on that note, I thought the visual design of the giant thing they fought, when you really looked at it and paid attention to it, was really really cool. I, it's just that how things how things looked and everything. Mm-hmm. I agree. Like I thought the ghost looked good. Now, yeah, it was just the idea that they were up it's, against. It's the, what, again, seemed kind of lazy. It it did. And what, right. okay, and the so the last thing that was referential that I thought was actually amazing, and then they couldn't leave good enough alone, and they reverted. Everyone knows the firehouse. Oh yeah, yeah, I know. Where you're and. Going. They don't get it, and they because they can't afford oh. it, and they go to the Chinese restaurant. No. Genius, no, no, and no, I, loved I, I loved it. I loved it. Loved it. Loved I love the fact that they ripped that out from under us. And said, no, 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 they're <laughs> no, not no, going no. to the firehouse. And then, go that here. was reverent, but then them like then, denying then you the, and being clever, awesome. But then at the end of the movie, do they have to then like you know yeah. set up a sequel and say, oh nope, we're back to the firehouse? I was like, no, really, that was like the nail in the coffin that really just made me leave the theater disgusted yeah okay I, i'm with you so those are I, I thought it was genius the 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 subversion they did with their office location and then you're right when they drop back at the end again i'm like okay well i kind of expected that so okay last thing that has nothing to do with uh 
cameos, throwbacks, but my last negative, product placement. And maybe that's why I have an extra bone to pick with Kate McKinnon because she's the person who decided to promote Pringles. <laughs> oh, no. And she's like, See, oh, okay. lovely, tasty parabolas. And I'm like, uh, not done. <laughs> product placement is forever going to be in movies. I get that. But that wasn't the only example, but that was the first one that they did. And I'm like, okay, that's not as clever as Wayne's World. Wayne's World. Oh, I mean, they were, yeah. They, you know, they, granted, they, they were, were the first. and They, they did, were breaking the fourth wall like, with it. I was already kind of on the fence about her character, but when she did that, I'm like, that's dumb. It doesn't even, it doesn't even mean anything. It's like, Oh, I love these tasty parabola. Like it was so irritating. And then they followed that not too long after that with the Papa John's pizza spread. And I was like, Oh my God. And they didn't even bother to reference like to try to like, at least the parabolas, that was a really lame joke that they tried to work into like, so they could face the Pringles can out and let you see it. But the Papa John's thing was just like, see, I don't, just even, I don't even notice that stuff. Oh my god, I don't. I really, I do not notice product placements in films. Well, so. that's that means they're doing it well for you, but for me, those two were just like somebody banging somebody, somebody banging a gong. Somebody else like, mentioned uh, the uh, the the uh, Papa John's after the movie. I'm like, ah, I remember them eating pizza, but I don't remember it being Papa John's. Oh I my just gosh, didn't I don't notice that stuff. Yeah, all the boxes were like so you could read no, all the. I oh my see gosh, it. I didn't see it. Advertisers, companies, you can't get to me. It doesn't work. <laughs> I actually think after the go, I went to go see Ghostbusters. I think I went to go eat and order Domino's pizza. So it did not so work. It didn't work. Papa so John's me, did not get to me. Oh, it gets to me, but it gets to me in a bad way. Right. It, it does just the really. I and the thing don't. is, too, like I could possibly excuse that if we were talking about um, the Phenom or whatever, and like they've got to do product placement because they're a small <laughs> indie budget movie and they work in product placement. That I get. Ghostbusters, Ghostbusters does it need, need any more money? Probably didn't need the money. Probably not. Um, I mean, I know movies are expensive, but come on. See, here's the way I'm looking at it, Chris. <laughs> I, I think you and I have the same issues with the film, except for Kate McKinnon. We're completely opposite on that. <laughs> the other items you had, yes, I get, I, I'm with you. Sure. And the things that bugged me the most about this film is when they tried so hard to reference and mirror the the original. That I really honestly wish they had just gone on a completely different path. Yeah. Could have been a completely different city. Could have been completely different uh, style of ghost they're fighting at the end. Yeah. Could have been everything. They could have gone so completely different. And I would have had so much more respect for this film. The things where they tried to reference it were really lazy and boring and didn't work at all. Yeah. Cringe that being said... I still came out saying, you know, if I can forget the 84 version, if I can just forget that that never happened, if I'm a 12 year old kid right now who's never seen a Ghostbusters film and I went to go see this, I would have had a good time with it. See? Because I do think, I think it was, it had some scary moments. I thought the special effects were really cool. I thought the humor when it worked was really good. Again, it's just, I think I'm. I'm brought down because of the references to 84, but if I can carve those out, I feel like on its own, it's a, it's a passable entertainment film. See, I'm not there, but let, I will say this. The movie has made enough money. Supposedly Sony execs after opening weekend said that we will be making mm. another Ghostbusters movie. I will not write this franchise off. I'm interested to see a second movie with the same cast of characters because I'm assuming now that we've got the setup and the references done, we can just have a good. And there's not really that many other references they can tap into now. They really worried about cramming them all in. So that's my thing is with this next movie, I'm going to forget 
this this Ghostbusters 2016 version, and I'm going to go to the next movie like, oh, they're going to do a new Ghostbusters movie, and I'm going to watch that one, and I imagine I'm going to like it. And I imagine, you know, maybe they'll give, maybe I'll like Kate McKinnon better because I already, like, understand who she is. Like, I don't know. I'm, I'm Not only am I going to forget 1984's movie, but I'm going to forget 2016's Ghostbusters when they come out with the next That's one. fair enough. And I think I'll probably like I, it. I, I guess when I look at it, the concept... I still love the Ghostbusters concept as a as a movie franchise. Gotcha. I like these four women. I am interested in seeing them in another adventure together. I'm with you though. I don't I just I want it to be a unique on its own thing. Don't don't rehash. Don't make the next one where we have the exact same setup as Ghostbusters 2 <laughs> where you know right. they make a giant landmark of New York City come alive at the end and all that. I mean, just drop with the references. Yeah. Come up with a really cool ghost story that they can go and fight and let them kind of be their own care. I like the way they've set up these four characters. Yeah. I do agree that they are different enough where they're interesting. And I'm kind of, I'm, I wouldn't mind watching them in the lab coming up with some other things. All of what we've discussed being said, tell me, uh, your children saw this movie with you? They did. Okay. And how did they react? Uh, they thought it was fine. They didn't love it. They thought it was okay. I mean, they'd seen the original. Okay. Um, they, of course, were not as as bothered by references to 84 as we are. But, I mean, they thought it was fine. Right. They didn't come out, like, gushing about it. They weren't, you know, like, overly excited, but they thought it was fine. And see, I think that's the thing, too, is my kids saw it, and they liked it. Yeah. You know, yeah, they're not just, like, ranting and raving, want to see it again, but they liked it. The references didn't bother them. I think... Yeah, seeing the 1984 version when I did when I was young, it, like you said, hit at the perfect time. Mm-hmm. This movie, because it wasn't completely original and the kids had seen the original, but they're still young enough that I think it, it didn't bother them like no. it bothers me. I've you know, seen so. the original probably 15 <laughs> times. Oh, sure. So my kids have maybe seen it once. Right. So it just doesn't have that same impact on them as much. So. Right. I, I will say one other thing I thought was kind of. Nice. I wish they had done more with it. Maybe it will be something in a sequel that they'll explore more. Okay. I thought the the slant they took with the mayor was interesting. Okay. In that I like as soon as they got dragged to the mayor's office, I'm like, oh boy, here we go again. Wish Another they do a reference. Same setup, you know, and they even dropped some references back to that meeting. But I kind of like the angle of the mayor basically saying, yeah, I know, yeah, what you're doing is real. I get it. This stuff's happening. We just can't. We just want to make you guys look like crackpots because we got to protect ourselves. <laughs> that I'm like, okay, that's another one of those almost like the Chinese restaurant versus the. Right. Uh, it's like, great, give me something different, turn it in a different angle. Right. I'm, I'm respectful of that. Right. So in other words, they're going to have to keep playing crackpots, even though they're secretly doing good work for the city and getting funding from the city. That's right, but they just yeah. can't come out and have people respect. For it, which right. again is a nice take on that, and I like that. I just uh, I wish they'd done a little more with it, but maybe that's again when they do a sequel, they can be a little bit more on that vein. And kind of how I came out on the movie is summed up in the closing minutes. The skyline lights up with thank yous to the Ghostbusters, mm-hmm. and the Ghostbusters see this. I think it's McCarthy's character who kind of says, "Oh well, that's not terrible," <laughs> and that's how I felt wow. about. That's how I felt about that the movie. That was an unfortunate last I think, line. I think the movie. that's what she said. Because that's kind of how I felt about the movie. Because it's not ter- it wasn't terrible. Did it disappoint me greatly? Yes. Um, because, you know, I thought the co- a lot of the comedy didn't work, the references and stuff. But, you know, it's not terrible. 
but it's not great either. And that it was interesting well, that that kind of summed up my feelings on the movie. And it I'm, I'm definitely not like, saying yeah. it's great. I'm not saying it's terrible either. I, again, <laughs> passable, not, passable yeah. is the word I'm saying. It's just, passable. if you can let go of the 84 version, sure. I think it's a fine, fun film. If you're hung up on the 84 version, this is going to really, really bother you the whole time. Gotcha. And uh, I found myself wavering between those two emotions of the whole film. At the end of the day, I'm like, yeah, it was all right. I actually saw it twice, not by choice. It was kind of a situation where I had a free ticket. A friend of mine was going, really wanted to go. And I kind of wanted to see what my friend's opinion was going to be ah. because I knew his opinions of the original as well. So watching it the second time, I knew when the references were going to come up and I knew when to roll my eyes at the right times. Huh. I, I still came out of it saying, yeah, you know, it was okay. It was a, it was a passable film. I just, I'm, I'm anxious to see them do something new with it the next time with these same characters. So. Got you. Cool. Okay. All right. That's Ghostbusters. Chris, not a big fan. Me, um, teetering, you know, <laughs> I say if, if, you, if you don't have an affinity to the original and you don't really care about the original, but you just want to go see a decent science fiction comedy movie. Yeah. It's. I can think of worse ways to spend your time. And I will say, yeah, not a big fan, but as much as I didn't like it, I know there's talent there and I'm interested to see what they do in a sequel. Yeah. All right. So, so maybe you're okay with the foundation starting to lay a little bit. So right. maybe, okay, let's move on to our second science fiction blockbuster film, which is a, uh, this one is a true sequel as opposed to a reboot that we did with ghostbusters. This is the third in the, uh, Abrams verse version of star Trek. That was started back in 2009 with Star Trek and then followed with Star Trek Into Darkness. We now have the third one, Star Trek Beyond. My dad joined Starfleet because he believed in it. I joined on a dare. You joined to see if you could live up to him. You spent all this time trying to be your father. Now you're wondering just what it means to be you. It isn't uncommon, you know. It's easy to get lost in the vastness of space. There's only yourself, your ship, your crew. You really want to head back out there, huh? So, J.J. Abrams did the initial film, Star Trek. Mm-hmm. Then he did the follow-up, which I remember us complaining about the name Star Trek Into Darkness. Dumb name. <laughs> Dumb name. Yeah. So then Abrams said, okay, I'm off to do Star Wars. Tell you what, somebody else take over. They bring in Justin Lin, mm-hmm. Mr. Fast and Furious director. Yes. He comes in, and apparently the naming conventions are still kind of crazy over there because they come up with just Star Trek Beyond, which I feel like is worse than into darkness. <laughs> so, well, I mean, it, I think the next one may just be like Star Trek, a science fiction movie. Like, or something yeah, like, that. like I don't, it's, I don't mind the Star Trek beyond. It's just, it's just weird naming. I mean, yeah. so are you saying Star Trek as a verb into <laughs> darkness? Like, you know, so we are trekking into darkness. Now we're trekking beyond. beyond. Um, it's weird. It is weird. Yeah. Um, so we have the name Alan with, Justin Lin is a new director. Mm-hmm. Do you think, you know, you're now three movies in. Mm-hmm. Abrams leaving, getting a new director to come in, do the third installment. Do you feel like that helped to maybe refresh the franchise as you're going into your third movie? Or do you feel like Abrams got out just in time and this this uh, reboot franchise is kind of headed downhill? What's your um, take? It's definitely not heading downhill. Okay. I enjoyed this film 
quite a bit. Okay. I thought it was a really fun film. I'll have some negatives in a moment. Okay. But I thought overall a very fun film. That's the biggest way I can describe it. It was like, I like the fact that it seemed to be a lot more self-contained in that it's almost like an episode of Star Trek that just got a really, really big budget and a longer running time. Okay. Um, it's kind of like started and closed and there's really no lasting repercussions in either direction. It's kind of like they could start the next movie up and you wouldn't have even known if this one took place or not. So it's kind of self-contained, which is nice. I think that was okay. Um, I like these characters. I like the people playing these characters. I like the interaction with these characters. My favorite parts of this film were just when these different characters are interacting with each other because I think they've got a really great banter. I think they just they have the personalities nailed down. They know who they are now, and it's fun to watch. And then I will say on the opposite side of the coin, I thought this film had some really, really great visual moments to it okay a few i can pick out by memory just because i thought they were really impressive what they did the action the the fight scenes the chases all they uh, weren't as well done i don't think i didn't find those to be as interesting i actually kind of was getting bored with some of the action scenes and said you know just get on to where you guys talk to each other again because that's more fun and interesting to me so the action scenes were a letdown for me okay um but I still like these characters. And I like the fact that at the end of the day, it was just a fun movie. It, it ended nicely. It kind of had a nice button-up ending. There's no secret messages going on or hidden boxes or mysteries to figure out that are going to linger on for another movie. It's like it was just a nice, clean movie. And I liked it for that. So I had a good time. I thought it was better than the last one. Um, I didn't like it as much as the original J.J. first the one first because one. I just thought that was – a really, really well done, sci- fun science fiction movie. This one, I'm happy to finally see them going out into space. That was the thing that hung me up mm-hmm. on the last movie. It's like, we're two movies in, and they still haven't t- taken off and just gone off in space to go on their mission yet. So I like the fact that this kind of said, yeah, okay, we've been on a mission for quite a while, and we've done a lot of stuff, and now let's show you one adventure we had while we're out. So anyway, I liked it. I thought it was a lot of fun. Uh, I do have some misgivings and issues, but overall, I thought overall a fun movie. What what did you think? Um, this is really weird because it seems like most of the times we review. Grant, the other one was a science fiction comedy, and this is just science fiction action. Yeah. Um, my history as a science fiction lover is well documented. You know, I'm mm-hmm. still going on about Prometheus. You know, I'm <laughs> I liked Under the Skin. You know, I, in in general, if a science fiction movie comes out, I'm probably going to like it. Um, I was so bored by this movie. Um, really? Yeah. And I think I thought visually the visuals of the film, like, you know, their big cities, like the futuristic cities Mm -hmm. and the space stations, the planet that they do go, you know, Mm -hmm. journey to all the visuals, all the special effects, all that looks great. And I thought was well done. Um, that wasn't, that wasn't the problem. And that's my, that's a, you know, a really big positive on the film. I just wasn't really interested. I felt like in a way I was watching an episode of a TV show and there was no like surprise with it. There was no, I wasn't getting anything. I wasn't interested in it because I felt like I had seen it in one of the older episodes of the TV Mm -hmm, show. mm -hmm. There is some, and I don't want to spoil it because it was the other, other than the visuals is the thing that I liked about the movie it did kind of surprise me on kind of the um the the main bad guy's story yeah and that 
I thought that was... It had an interesting reveal. Late in the I film. thought that was good. And that helped me. That kind of helped bring my interest level up a little bit hmm. when that happened. But I felt like the characters in the movie who established themselves well in the first two, you know, the guy, Chris Pine, Zachary Quinto, who plays Spock and Kirk and, you know, the other cast, they do a good job. They do know these characters. But by the time in this film, I felt like they were kind of just bored and they were hmm. kind of just saying lines. Kirk in the beginning is sullen and kind of a crybaby. Oh, and, we got to talk about that that, that and, first few minutes. And I, he's just uninteresting. And before he was like, you know, I'm the brash James T. Kirk. And it's like, right. he was who, in, I know it just didn't really work well, for me. And Spock, and not his fault, I think he's still playing the character, but they throw this really maudlin thing in there about Leonard Nimoy passing away. Mm. And I get it, but just like, it seemed like kind of out of nowhere, like, oh, we're going to have this in here. And, you know, typically in a movie, at the end of the movie, you say for Leonard, for Leonard Nimoy, which is, you know, I get that, but having it kind of work into the plot and like, they don't just reference it and move on. No, they, well, they were trying to set up this whole idea and I, I, I agree. They didn't do it very well. The Kirk Spock dynamic is one thing I thought was really not handled very well right. in this film because they were trying really hard to set up this situation where both of them are contemplating different moves gotcha. in their career. Got you. And I thought that was an interesting plot that they were going to carry forward, and they really didn't. It's like they mentioned it at the beginning, and then they have a quick little mention of it at the end, like kind of button it up, and that was it. And it's like, <laughs> okay, well, that was really – I loved the way this film got started with the um, captain's log. And you're talking about him being all depressed and all that. I loved it because what it was is it was a couple minutes of him just talking about what's been going on the ship while they've been out in space for all this time. And the fact that he's feeling a little, a little beaten down, a little depressed, a little bored, a little monotonous, which that's not his character. And we saw that in the first two films. He's not the kind of character that just to go through the routines every day and wearing the same outfit and doing the same things every day. That's not him. So I love the fact that it was kind of like, okay, we've never really gotten a glimpse into how monotonous this could be that we're just flying through space for a few years. We may encounter something kind of cool here. We may run into something else here, but overall it's just, we're just plotting space right now. Well, and I love the way they set that up and kind of gave us a framework of, Kirk kind of needs something to shake him up a little bit. And I thought that was cool. I think, okay. Had they made that more of a theme, but it wouldn't have been an action movie. If they'd have made that more kind of like a existentialist movie, more like Solaris or something like that, where, you know, (laughs) it's, it's plotting. It's all about, you know, yes, space can be very big. It can be very boring, you know, but they said that, but in this action framework it's like he's saying that and then and he's being whiny and then like okay we're going to give him lots of action things like i i get what you're saying and that's an interesting idea about how it kind of goes against the grain of his character but in the framework of star trek in the framework of who kirk's supposed to be it just didn't yeah. it just didn't work for me but i can see how you like the it, setup it worked and, for me i don't want to see I a movie see. of just them sailing through space and kind of talking about how depressed they are sailing through space <laughs> I don't want right. that from a Star Trek movie. Sure. But I like the fact that they at least gave us this insight. Like, you know, we, the opening pre-credits is kind of a little a little scene of a negotiation on a planet that goes wrong. You know, so you kind of get the sense of, okay, this is what he's kind of doing now. Is he's, it's, he's negotiating and he's trading with alien races and he's having to go make speeches to alien races. Right. And he's just bored, you know, and I'm like... <laughs> 
like I am. Yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, I got it. So, right. I will say when the plot kicks in, it's like, okay, and they're getting attacked, and they got to go on this planet and rescue their crew. All those mechanics got really tedious and boring and not very exciting. I'm with you on that. I will say there were some visual moments in this film, though. You know, they were they were moments. They were not carried through the entire film, but there were a few moments where I honestly like looked to the people I'm watching the film with like, okay, yeah, that was pretty cool. There was like a shot of the Enterprise taking off the first time that's kind of shot from a, right in front of the ship, almost like a GoPro camera type of look and okay. feel to it, which I thought, that's really cool. I've never seen them do that with that ship before. There's another scene where there's a giant swarm of these little ship bee like ships type of thing that they're fighting. And granted, I've got my own issues with that. I'll talk Ender's about it in a moment. Yeah. But there's at least a shot where you see the enterprise approaching. And it's this a giant swarm, almost like a sure. wave. I'm like visually there again, very cool right. going through warp speed. It has this great visual of it kind of ripping through space and kind of creating a little bit of a surface around it as it does that. You know, little moments like that. I'm like, those are some really great visual elements to the film that I really appreciate. Um, you know, but again, the, the fighting, the battle scenes, the, the, the chases inside the ship and the gun, it was all very tedious and just not very exciting to watch. And just, I, I kind of just wanted to fast forward to the next time they actually get together as characters and talk some more. Cause again, that's when I had the most fun with this film. I felt like, yeah, I agree on the action sequences. In addition, it was hard for me to follow because a lot of them were dark. I kind of felt like it was like an X-Files type thing. Well, let me ask you this, and this is completely off of a review track. Um, I'm wondering if you and I saw it in the same movie theater. Ah. Because the bulb in my theater was so dark, and that was not how the film should look, I guarantee it. Even the previews and everything beforehand were really dark and dim. And all of us that were watching it afterwards said... I could barely see what was going on in some of those action scenes. Okay. And that should not be the film. Okay. So I really think that was, I know you and I went to the same theater and we were there at one time separated. Right. We may have been the exact same theater. And if Mm. so, the bulb in that theater was horribly, horribly dark (laughs) and dim. So don't hold that against the film. I really think the film would be a brighter experience on (laughs) a TV. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, one other character note, which I'm usually a big fan of uh, Simon Pegg, mm-hmm. and I know that he helped write this film. And I get it. You know, he's playing Scotty, and, he, you know, so he's going to be Scottish. But the number of times that he – it was almost like he was working too hard to be the character. And the number of times he said, like, Lassie, mm-hmm. I thought I was going to vomit if he said it one more time. I was like, mm-hmm. I get it. You're Scottish. Just, you know – Come on. I thought his of all the original the main characters, I think his was the weakest. I I generally liked him in the other films. I thought he was I, yeah, fun. This, this one, one he just was great. I can't on think me. of anything that I thought was interesting about his character this time. I thought Kirk was still interesting. Spock was very very minimally used. And it seems like they always get Spock injured or <laughs> uh, incapable of doing things at points. I'm not sure why, but huh. um Anton Yelchin got to mention thought was fine i mean great he didn't have a whole lot to do in the movie but sure. i thought he was okay bones is still i think really funny i just like bones as a character in general so yeah it was a very slight star trek movie and it doesn't have any major impact to anybody anything in the franchise uh i just like the fact that we actually got a movie that kind of had a start and an ending and it ended up and it finished the plot and hey it brought in a new character who's probably going to be around some stuff like Okay, that was fine. It was fun. I thought the comedy was was that was used was good, 
And I liked enough of those visual flourishes throughout the film to keep me engaged. Um, I do have to ask you without spoiling, just because I'm, okay. I, I'm, I'm curious if you like this moment or not, but the, uh, the use of contemporary music oh, during a, a well, very sorry. key pivotal scene. I don't see how scene. you can spoil that because they, they, don't, they use the song in one of the trailers. Oh, yeah. I kn- and the way it was used was good, and it would have probably won. Have, it probably would have won me over more to the it film. If it hadn't been in the trailer, if it hadn't yeah. been in the trailer, because it started, and I'm like, okay, I get. And it was excellent use of music. Too bad your marketing people ruined the. I completely agree with you. I loved that moment in the film. I thought it was great, and just even just the way it was timed with the audio. There's like a little bit of a pause before the song starts, and when the song starts, you're like, yeah, that's. Perfect, but you're right. When they when the trailer for this film came out and they're using, it was the Beastie Boys. It's, it's yeah. a sabotage. Yeah, we're not. Really, it's it's not in the trailer. Right. Like it runs through the whole trailer. When I saw that preview, I'm like, "You've got no." Please tell me this is not going to go with contemporary pop music or rock music to kind of make it hipper or whatever. Because that's exactly what that trailer seemed to indicate. Right. I'm very happy with the way it was used in the film. I just I'm with you. I kind of wish they had How not done that in the trailer. How amazing would it have been oh, had you not been aware of it? It would have been really cool. <laughs> so uh, I'll just say that was an awesome moment where I actually that was a moment where I smocked him on my face. So I'm like, okay, yeah. I apologize works. to any listeners who, by some maybe you've been living under a rock and haven't seen any trailers for Star Trek, and now we've ruined the fact that sabotage is in this movie because that would have been. We're really not going to tell you how it's used. Right. Just it is used very very effectively. Yeah, I will say that. Probably one of the best musical moments I've seen in a film in a while where just that little bit, when it just hit that song, I'm like, that was perfect. That yeah. was really, really good. Yeah, so, agreed. Um, now, granted, the rationale behind how and why they're using it and what it's supposed to do makes no sense to me whatsoever. <laughs> but I didn't care. It was still fun to do. So Right. Um, and Idris Elba as the bad guy. Um, I couldn't have cared less about the bad guy although at the end it did at least make it a little more interesting he seemed to be very cardboard cut out yeah. um and again and I, I still don't that, understand I why helped, i think that helped make him boring you know because he was very cardboard but some of the stuff that some of the backstory you finally do get makes it he didn't become interesting until the last 20 minutes right um but i still don't really understand what he was doing and why and, and, he, <laughs> and i mean i don't understand any of that i don't understand right. how the b ships work and how the Star Trek crew kind of figured out how to beat them was very much a Scooby-Doo kind of moment. It's like, oh, well, they must operate like this. And if they operate like this, we can do this and this will take care of it. And it was very, it was dumb. It bothered me how similar to Ender's Game that whole part was. It was. Um, But again, I'll say, I thought it was a fun film. You know, uh, if it's on again, I'll probably end up watching it just because I did have enough fun moments in it. I'm going to watch it to see if the action scenes are any better because they may not be dimly lit. <laughs> they may so. not be as dark. I will tell you, that was uh, it's interesting you had that comment because I'm thinking, man, that, that really kind of killed it for me watching it, those scenes because I really couldn't see what was happening. Because one of the things the we I know before on the show we've harped about is some action scenes, maybe we're just getting old, are kind of hard to follow because they also do them in the shaky cam yeah. you know, type thing. So... I was kind of prepared for that, but I was like, I just feel like there's an added irritation here that everything's dark, but maybe not I really do think fault. it's more of the theater we saw it in. I I'll, really say, do. I'll say something else uh, positive about the film. I thought the character design, I guess you would call it, for Jayla yeah. was awesome. 
I liked her as a character in general. I liked her as a character, and I liked her character yeah. design, like the the makeup or the mask, whatever they did for her face. I haven't been that impressed with like a character design since Darth Maul, actually. No, I, I, and there's <laughs> I some seeing, similarities there. With there it. are, but I remember um, seeing Darth Maul, and I was like, "Wow, that's I really hope that character's cool." And he was. And with her, like I would see her in the previews, and I'd be like, "Oh, I hope she's good." And and she is. She was a cool so. character. I that's one I kind of hope if, when they do another Star Trek movie, I, I wouldn't mind seeing her part of the the crew on that because she was kind of an interesting character. So, okay, so I've been Mister kind of positive on these films today. What is up with this? So I'm actually saying Ghostbusters is is not bad. I'm saying Star Trek Beyond's a lot of fun. You you have a lot longer <laughs> list of issues on both films than I, I do, but um, they're both still playing. They're making some money, not great money, either of them, but decent money, I guess, for, for what they are. So uh, that's our reviews today. Let's uh, take a quick break, and when sure. we come back, we'll do some movie news and our recommendations. So stay tuned to Foot Candle Films. We'll be right back. Local authors, illustrators, and storytellers come together to create Storytime Station at The Mesh. Storytime Station is a video podcast that works as a virtual storybook. Each show features a new children's book and new reader. So gather the whole family to listen, learn, and laugh at Storytime Station on TheMesh.TV. Welcome back to Foot Candle Films here on TheMesh.TV. Alan and Chris here. We just finished our reviews of the 2016 version of Ghostbusters, the 2016 Star Trek Beyond, it's all kind of retro days here on Foot Candle <laughs> Films to franchises that have been around for a while getting new installments. Uh, me, a little more positive on both than Chris, but uh, I don't think either of us are saying that they're perfect films by any stretch of the imagination. Just different taste, different things going on, some concerns on both films' fronts. But uh, you can go backwards if you skipped over or missed our reviews and listen to those again if you'd like. But let's move on to some movie news. Chris, we kind of keep our our eyes on what's happening with different new productions going on, some directors and actors working on new projects. So we like to come up with a few news items and just kind of bat them around with each of us and see and see our thoughts here. So let me mention the first one here. And I just thought there's probably not a lot to talk about with this. I just think it's really interesting. Okay. Um, you may recall that we talked about a film a while back. Uh, it was actually this time last year that we thought was going to be coming out around September because we thought it was going to be coming out around our film festival time. And it was actually filmed in North Carolina. It actually has a lot of North Carolina connections. Film is masterminds. Yes. So it's finally coming out. Okay. Uh, I believe at this point they're saying it's going to come out uh, maybe this fall. Does it stand any chance of being any good? I don't. I don't see how. I mean, you know, I, I don't want to write it off. I, I I really hate writing off, especially comedies, just based on trailers. I think the trailer is mildly amusing. Sure. But yet, when you have a movie that got delayed a year and a half showing. Now, granted, it was all tied up in bankruptcy through Relativity Studios. The studio would be bankrupt. Which, so this film the was movie kinda, is about a bank robbery. Yeah, it was kind of funny. Okay. Um, so it got hung up for that. Now, granted... So that was the original reason. Okay. That's the real reason. Now, from a audience standpoint, are they going to hold that against the film? Or are they going to say, well, it's a delayed you know, a year. Obviously, it must not be very good. It may be a hilarious movie that just got right at the time where the studio went bankrupt and can't release it. And they've been working through all the legal battles for about a year to get it closed out. So it's, it's Zach Galifianakis. Zach Galifianakis, Owen Wilson, 
uh, Jason Sudeikis and Kristen Wiig. Right. So funny cast. Um, I have heard, and I don't know if, uh, how accurate this is. This is just something I read about the, the film that there's some thoughts that they actually went in and added some more scenes hmm. because now your new favorite, Kate McKinnon oh, good. and Leslie Jones actually have more screen time. So we have three of the four Ghostbuster women now in there. Maybe they're saying, well, they felt like the chemistry was really good with these women. So let's, while we have time, let's add these two characters or add oh, some more scenes for these oh two no. actresses in there a little bit. Um, <laughs> wow, that makes I don't me, know. That makes me worry a little bit. Uh, Napoleon Dynamite's Jared Hess is the one directing Director. it or had, did direct it. Obviously, sure. this thing's been out like done for a while. So he directed it probably two or three years ago. Got you. Um, I'm curious, you know, and again, with the comedy, the trailer's... I think the trailers are fine. They're just as funny as a typical broad comedy that comes out these days. And you never know if the trailer is showing you all five or six of the funniest scenes in the movie or if there's actually something deeper going on. So again, probably not a lot of discussion here. Just, I thought it was interesting that this film that's been batted around and we had an interest in because it's Jared Hess because it's filmed in North Carolina. Yeah. Because it's based on a true story story that that happened in North Carolina, an hour away from where we live. We had some vested interest in seeing this film, and now I just don't know where it's going to go. But we'll see. Hmm. So anyway, that's so Masterminds. So it's scheduled to come out when? September of this year? I think so. <laughs> okay. I think. I'll have to look that up while you're in your news items. Okay. But, uh, yeah, I mean, they've restarted the trailers for it again. Gotcha. Trailers were being shown last summer for this film. Right, yeah. And then it got delayed. Hmm. So now they've started back up the new trailers and... Obviously, it must be coming up pretty uh, September 30th. That is okay. the date now. Yeah. Hmm. Zach Galifianakis. I'm what, curious we, to see. I will say, I saw that he's in this Keeping Up with the Joneses, saw yeah. a preview before the Star Trek movie, and it looks like a rehash of the Brad Pitt, Angelina Jolie movie that they did where they were spies. And Well, it's the whole, you've got the dweeby couple Mr. against Mr. the uh, the... The cool spy couple. Right, right. And that's another one of those movies where the trailer was mildly amusing. Mildly. Mildly. But <laughs> again, I have no idea if that means that this movie is actually any good or not. Sure. Comedy trailers are tough. When I was they surprised because really I saw that and I was, it actually made me think when I saw that, I was like, so I wonder when, if Masterminds is ever going to come out. So now you're saying it is. Okay. It is. Absolutely. And, uh, I'm just saying Mr. Galifianakis, I'm, I'm a little concerned about him. I mean, <laughs> He really hasn't had a hit in quite a long time. And he's still doing kind of the one note thing right now. I'm kind of, Hmm. I don't know. I feel like he may need to try to shake it up a little bit somewhere. I have seen, not a movie, but he did a a show. I think it's still going on. um, Baskets. Baskets. And And is it good? I liked Baskets. I've heard that's good. So it's almost like maybe like with the uh, Between Two Ferns online videos, the (laughs) TV show Baskets and all, maybe going that route is probably more of his thing than these broad kind of big box office comedies, you right. know, because he really hasn't pretty, had a hit. It's pretty dark. Well, that's what I was going to say. It needs to be a little more sub- subversive, I think yeah. for him to really excel. And I'm just afraid these PG 13, you know, broad comedies may not, he has this funny moments, but I just don't think he really excels the material anymore. So, you know, right. All right. What's a, what's the news item you've got? So, uh, Duncan Jones, Mm-hmm. He came out this year. It was actually, I was anticipating the movie because he was involved. He came out with Warcraft. Um, 
and reviews have been really terrible for it. Mm-hmm. I have not seen it yet. I still want to see it, but I now haven't rushed out to see it because I heard it was horrible. Uh, Duncan Jones, prior to that, which is why I was so excited about it, he'd made Moon, which you and I both liked. Source Code. Did you ever see Source I Code? Did. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, that's I liked, good. Mm-hmm. I like that one as well. Yeah. Well, what makes me happy is there's news about his next project. Warcraft 2. No. Oh. And, um, <laughs> and the whole time, like, you know, I, was, I heard he was doing work. And I was like, ah, well, you know, maybe he'll make a franchise movie, but he's doing it. So it makes me kind of interested to see it. Mm, yeah. But then I heard it was horrible. Haven't seen it yet. Still want to give it a chance. But my solace was, well, you know what? The thing is he got a paycheck and I think he's really talented. He has some original ideas. I'm anxious to see what he does after Warcraft. Now that, you know, he's kind of wish it would have been better for him. Cause that way he would have had more clout in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Whatever. Right. Well, his next movie is going to be called mute. It starts shooting pretty soon, I think. And here's the plot description. Thank you, Letterboxd. 40 years from today, Berlin is a rolling city of immigrants where East crashes against West in a science fiction Casablanca. So here again, science fiction, I'm in. Leo Byler, who's played by Alexander Skarsgård, a mute bartender, has one reason and one reason only for living there. And she has disappeared. So then... Leo, the bartender guy, starts to go search for her in the city's underbelly, which is really, like, disgusting, apparently. And a pair of American surgeons, one of them being Paul Rudd, seems to be the only person that can serve, like, recurring clues and keeps popping in and giving him information about the disappearance of this girlfriend. But then he becomes paranoid, not sure if he can trust him or fear him. Like, he's not really sure what's going on. Reminds me, kind of set up, Sounds to me kind of like a Brazil mm-hmm. type yeah, thing. Yeah, I can see that. But um, it's just, I'm just, I'm interested. And something so kind of bizarre and it's original, like screenplay material. It just really, I don't know. I'm I'm really excited yeah. to see. It's one of my most anticipated movies of 2017. Well, I'm just, you know, I, I never want to say that just because somebody, a director, ventured out and tried to do a big box office, a big blockbuster movie. And it didn't go well that they should just completely retreat and go back a different direction. But I, I, it just sounds like this is more of his wheelhouse. And it's a little more daring, a little more interesting film. So I'm obviously going to be a lot more excited. I was never excited about Warcraft, even with Duncan Jones. I just I well, saw some of the production art. I saw the trailers. I'm just like, I'm just not getting this out. The all. trailers definitely didn't excite me for Warcraft. You know. I think that I saw him make a statement on Twitter just a couple of days ago, actually. Um he said he was getting excited for the production because it was getting you know, they're going to start shooting soon. They already have like production art and stills that are really cool if you find the links out there on the internet. But he said like, you know, excited about getting back into an independent film. And basically I'm paraphrasing extremely, but where we're not beholden to source material. It's yeah. something completely like, yeah, like you say, it's in his wheelhouse where you're not coming to it with preconceived ideas. Sure. And I think he was excited about the freedom that that can allow. I, I, I can so, see that. No, I think that's exciting sounding. I'm, 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 I'm intrigued as why well. I had not heard anything about it at all. So, um, I was only going to do one more, but actually I actually have another one. So, uh, you're another tell me that he's item. also going to do Warcraft too. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, just because I think we have a fascination. So this is my new last minute edition on okay. the news. Uh, just because I think you and I kind of have a little bit of an interesting fascination with Mr. M. Night Shyamalan. I heard 
Okay. Yes. I'm, I'm glad you're going to talk because I don't know a lot about it, but I just saw something yeah. fly by. Okay. So I actually just saw the preview last night. And you watched I read it. up a little okay. bit on it. Yep. Um, so he has another film coming out. And I, the reason I bring it up is because I think it's interesting. You know, he had The Village, which, or, well, not The I'm sorry, The Visit. Yes, which I saw. You saw. And yes. you thought was okay. It was okay. Yeah. It, it, it let me down in some parts, but I would say overall, you okay, said much of return to form. You said, I think I remember you saying the phrase return to form a little right. bit with, with him. I've been watching the show Wayward Pines, which mm-hmm. he executive produced both seasons. He actually did some directing in the first season. Okay. Um, the second season just wrapped up. I'm still, I, I enjoyed so it's still it. still currently. Well, it just finished up. I don't okay. think it's going to have a third season. I don't think it's doing very well ratings wise. But I enjoyed it, and I liked kind of knowing that he had his his finger on it from the beginning. Okay. So now we have a film that he's got coming out. Uh, it's coming out in January. It's called Split. Okay. And it stars Mr. James McAvoy. It also stars our uh, our girl, um, and her name is, uh, oh, shoot. What is her? Anna Taylor-Joy from The Witch. Huh. Yeah, lead actress from The Witch, the young girl. Okay. So the concept of this film. Yeah, see, okay, I, I heard he was making a new film. I saw it had McAvoy in it, and I was like, oh, interesting. You know, he did the visit. I'm curious. I don't know anything about it, so tell me. I'm interested to see what the. Oh, you need to see I, the trailer for this. I just know the this. title is called Split. You need so. to see the trailer for this. Okay. Kevin, a man with at least 23 different personalities, huh. is compelled to abduct three teenage girls, and as they're held captive, a final personality called the Beast begins to materialize. Uh, yeah, the trailer's pretty messed up. I mean, McAvoy, if this film is good, it'll be because McAvoy pulled it off. Hmm. In the trailer, he plays four different characters already that you see, like personalities. It sounds like something... <clears throat> it sounds interesting concept, but really hard to pull off. Yeah, and basically it's got, a, it's got a 10 Cloverfield Lane feel to it in that these women are abducted and they're down in a bunker... Very, very similar to how that, that film is set up. The mm. difference is, is that this individual, you learn, you know, basically he's coming into the room to interact with the girls in different personalities each time. And the personalities are in conflict with one another. One of the personalities is a nine-year-old boy who is scared of the other personality. One of them is as a woman, and he comes dressed up in as a woman. Wow. That's talking about how she's there to protect the girls where this other one is not. And then they, they keep referring to a personality. It sounds like a fascinating concept. Yeah. It sounds like it would make a really good, like Chuck Palahniuk novel, kind of like the guy who wrote Fight Club, mm-hmm. but like carrying that off on screen, that could be kind of tricky. I think the premise is, is fascinating. I love it. Yeah. I just, it also has the open opportunity for it to completely fall at the end of the film. I can already see that it being Shyamalan, this complex process of the film it's one that it has to stick a good landing or it, it's going to fall apart. Hmm. Um, I'm fascinated. I'll tell you, I love this concept because I actually, back in college, I wrote some skits for a uh, comedy TV show okay. that we did on campus and broadcasted around the community there. So I was big into writing different like Saturday Night Live little skits and funny, funny comedic bits. And one of them, I'm still really proud of myself for this. It was a skit that was a TV show, a soap opera, that only had two actors in it. Ah. And because the actors had multiple split personalities, their personalities were the ones having affairs with one another in interaction. <laughs> so they would leave the room and come back as a different personality. I just, 
I still think it's funny. I, I still laugh about it. Um, the people who took it and actually acted it and took it in a whole different direction. But I still think the core concept was funny. So I love this idea of there being somebody with all these personalities and the personalities are actually interacting with each other and with different people in a situation. I think could huh. be a lot of could be really, really interesting. So you need to check out the trailer. It comes out in January. January 20th, 2017. Okay. So that's I'm curious. the latest Shyamalan. I'm impressed that this guy has not dropped off the face of the earth. He hit his lowest point with After Earth. I mean, that was really it. At that point, Is that, that was, lower than Lady in the Water? I think so. Is it lower than The Happening? Ooh. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> let me say lowest in terms of box office, critical okay. review, like everybody just writing them off. The Happening was the worst film he's made, but he was still writing some current of people liking his stuff. Whereas After Earth... After just... Earth, nobody wanted to see. Nobody did see. You and I, unfortunately, did. We saw it, it, and it was not good. No. Um, so he kind of, with The Happening, and then After Earth, and The Last Airbender, it was kind of like he is bottomed out. Right. With Wayward Pines, with The Visit... Maybe with this one, he may be crawling himself back out a little bit. So I'm good for I'm, him. I'm rooting for him. I want it to work. And this looks like a fascinating film. I just, I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. Do you know, and we've theorized about this in the past, do you know if it's original script to him that he wrote the script? Because for a while we yeah. were thinking the problem was if he both wrote and directed it, he was too bent on trying to do a twist and that kind of backfire. But then he took on material that wasn't his, like After Earth. And Last Airbender, and that was still horrible. So you're like, well, I don't know what this uh, he is. He is the writer, the he credited writer. writer for this. So, okay. Yeah. So I think it's his idea. Okay. We'll see. I, I want the guy to have a success again. Sure, I, me I too. liked so much. I like The Sixth Sense. I like so much Unbreakable. Yeah. Unbreakable is a great film. Signs is okay. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm, I want him to come back to form. Okay. We'll see. Cool. Well, the last thing I'll mention, this is really quick because sure. it's just not a whole lot to say with it. I'm just kind of excited. Uh, did you, were you a fan of the film, the Rocketeer when it came out back in the eighties or early, almost 90? I liked it. Okay. I don't remember a whole lot about it, but I have seen it. And, uh, I'm a big fan of the 1930s and forties era movies set back in that time period. That's gotcha. why I was a big fan of the original, the first captain America movie. Cause I loved right. all the period setting, around World War II, just that time period in general. So I love The Rocketeer just because it it embraced that time period so well. Well, as Disney is ought to do these days, they're making a sequel. Got you. But I will stress, it is a true sequel. It's not a reboot. Oh, really? And it is going to be a sequel where it's going to take place six years after the first movie, which if you plot it out, I think the first movie took place in like the late 30s, 1938. But it's a different person being the Rocketeer. Though. Well, here's the description they've released. Because that's why that, I thought it was a reboot. Yeah, the new movie will pick up six years after the first movie. Cliff, who was the main character in the first movie, is off fighting the Nazis. And he's disappeared. Which is what leads to a young African-American woman pilot to strap on the famous jetpack. I love the fact that they're making it a sequel and not a reboot and not, yeah. a, not a modernization of it or anything like that. It's still 1944. This hmm. is going to be going on during World War II. Okay. And they've got a logical reason why Cliff would not be there anymore, you know, with the war going on. Right. Love it. I think it's great. So if they can keep that same charm of that time period. And my only fear is I just don't want them to go so high CGI. And so because oh. that really could ruin it. Yeah. I mean, they, yeah. they kept it fairly 
practical with the first version. So, uh, but they're calling this one the Rocketeers because I assume there'll be multiple ones. So uh, anyway, I'm excited. I think that sounds fun. (laughs) I'm on board. Uh, I'm just happy that they're keeping it period specific and not trying to modernize it or, you know, it is interesting to me. Excuse me. I like the original film, but the fact that they're deciding to do a sequel of something like that, like it's just probably like, so so I would think so few people remember it or there's really not a lot of fondness for them to, yeah, I'm just. I think just it's, I think there's enough people that remember it and and, and probably even have revisited it in the last 20 mm-hmm. years and really appreciate it. So it's a good film. I think it was Joe Johnson that directed it. So uh, hmm. um, who who's the uh, actress that's playing the? Uh, they haven't said. They haven't said. Okay. Hopefully, it's like an unknown. I hope it's just a young actress we're not really familiar with. That okay. would be a lot of fun. Hmm. So um, yeah, it was Joe Johnson, which I believe Joe Johnson also did the first Captain America movie. So that's probably that connective oh. tissue there. I there like so go. much with that. Huh. So that's our news. So a lot of interesting projects going on, some things, some films to be checking out over the next year. And we'll keep you up to date on all those as they continue to progress and develop. So now the last part of our show where we do have our recommendations for the episode. This is where Chris and I both pick out one film or in my situation, a little bit of a cheat, uh, (laughs) something that you can watch online that we are going to recommend for people to check out. And uh, something that you can find, something that either is old and you need to revisit, or maybe it's new, but we just haven't had a chance to discuss it on the show yet. But we both want to recommend people check out. So, Chris, what do you have to share with us today? Um, my film is going to be a film called Boy, and it's from uh, 2010. And I believe it was the first, or it was one of his first features that was done by Taika Waititi. Ah, and okay. uh, this same gentleman, we reviewed one of not his movies. Not the boy about the doll that come that that kills people. No, 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 just no, no. boy, just boy. I got it. Uh, boy, and it's 2010, and I think it was one of Taika Waititi's first. And he's the same guy who did uh, what we do in the shadows. He did uh, a comedy with uh, one of the guys from Flight of the Concords called Eagle versus Shark. He was also, I guess, in What We Do in the Shadows. But boy is a New Zealand coming-of-age comedy slash drama. And um, I really liked it, and it reminded me there's a film coming out this year. Uh, It came out, I think, in New Zealand earlier this year, Mm -hmm. but it's coming out now called uh, Hump for the Wilder People. Right. And that is also a New Zealand kind of a coming-of-age story with Sam Neill. Oddly enough, um, between the two, I actually prefer Boy. Interesting. Um, And I think Boy is not that well-known. It's on Apple, iTunes, on Netflix. But uh, I really liked it, and it's it's coming of age for this boy is actually the name of the title character. I mean, he has another name, but he goes by boy. That's just like what he's called. And mm-hmm. he has an estranged father who comes back and tries to like get back in with the boy. And it's it's really just an interesting movie. The tone is really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, Taika Waititi plays the dad, mm-hmm. and they do some of these fantasy sequences. It takes place back in 1984. Mm-hmm. So there's all this kind of like retro stuff going on. And the the boy, the 11-year-old boy, is obsessed with Michael Jackson. Hmm. And they do some fun. It's kind of like he starts having these fantasy sequences where his dad is Michael Jackson. And they do like a beat it thing. And then they also do like a Billie Jean thing. But it kind of like brings you into the movie, like what's happening in the movie. It's, it's kind of odd wow. to explain, but it's. I just, I really liked it. And those outside of those sequences, the movie is pretty straightforward. There are some things where a boy has a brother who 
believes that he has special powers and can make things happen by like, you know, moving his hand a certain way or he'll do little drawings mm-hmm. that are animated on the screen. It's just, it kind of has in some senses kind of a Michelle Gondry type right. feel to it in a way. But I think you can tell from this first film or 2010 that Taika Waititi did that he's talented and he kind of has a unique sense of humor that then comes to you know fruition in things like uh, what we do in the shadows. What makes me excited too is that this gentleman, along with the aforementioned Chris Hemsworth, is going yes. to be Thor Ragnarok, which, like I said, I, I like Chris Hemsworth. I like the Thor movies. Um, and I didn't think I would because I think he's kind of a boring Marvel character. But I, I do like him. Um, the fact that Taika Waititi is doing the next Thor movie is bizarre to me. <laughs> um, and unfortunately, just like with Warcraft, I'm excited about it. Hopefully it won't be <laughs> um, critically derided like the Warcraft movie is. Um, but I'm, I'm excited to see what he does with the thir- third Thor movie. Um, I think it could be interesting. And I wonder if he'll get a chance to do any humor yeah. or whether it will strict be, which is more of what I'm imagining, kind of like a huge action movie because I think most of the action takes place in Asgard from what I'm understanding. It's kind of yeah. like a doomsday apocalypse type things happens in Asgard. And so Thor has to go there and try to like make sure everything doesn't blow up or something. I don't yeah, know. Yeah. Thor is like my least favorite of all the Marvel. I mean, all, all superhero films. I'm just bored by, by Thor in general. I really liked the first Thor. Did movie. You? The second one was dark world or whatever. Wasn't as good. Yeah. Um, but I am interested in seeing this guy direct that. I thought that was a real surprise when his name came out of saying, yeah, he's going to direct it. I hope he adds some personality to the film. That's what I really want. Well, just, and if nothing else, maybe just like Mr. Duncan Jones, he's going to clearly, he's going to get a lot of money to do it. And then he can make a next project after that. And go off and do what he wants to do yeah, after that. That'll maybe. be even better. So either way, I would recommend people checking out boy and then, Possibly, you might consider looking forward to the Thor movie. So, we'll see. Could be. All right. So, okay. Mine is a... I'm, I'm going to call it a film. Okay. But it's a uh, like seven and a half hour film. Oh. Um, it's... So, a miniseries on Netflix. Okay. Well, I guess it's a series. It's eight episodes. But it's, you know, it's a, a little shorter series than, than other ones we've seen. Uh, Stranger Things. Ah, have you seen this yet? I have not, but I've heard really good things about it. Okay. And apparently, I'm about to hear some more. Well, the reason I'm bringing it have up... Have you seen a, all eight episodes? I've seen seven of eight. Okay. My family and I are eagerly waiting tonight to watch the eighth have one they, and Have they already announced that they're doing a second season? I have not seen that announced yet. Okay. okay. This only came out three or four weeks ago. Right, 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 right. Um, so if you were to take a typical PG-13 low-budget horror movie from the mid-80s... Okay. Add in a little bit of E.T., okay. a little bit of Goonies, uh, a little bit of Poltergeist. Hmm. Basically, the Spielberg films of the 80s we all grew up with. And okay. mix them all together. You get this show. Hmm. It is eight episodes on Netflix, all available now. Uh, basically, the premise is there's a young boy that disappears so, uh, very mysteriously. And his mother, a police chief, and his buddies, his friends all must confront terrifying forces to get him back. Uh, I'm not going to say too it's, much. Of what is this? Rated? You say you're watching it with your family. Yeah. So. I mean, it's, it's a PG 13. It's okay. got some moments of horror that are again, like what you would expect from a 
mid eighties, low budget horror movie. Cause with Netflix series kind of like orange is the new black or house of cards, they tend to skew. Yeah. Now this one way more I'm adult. watching with the boys. There's a few moments where the kids are a little freaked out and okay. there's a, uh, some profanity, you know, throughout, but nothing more than we hear in the Goonies. I mean, I okay. watched the Goonies a few months ago with the boys and, I was shocked at how much profanity was in that film that I did so not you, remember. You, like you were saying, you feel this is a PG-13 as opposed it's to a, like an R. It's a higher PG-13, but it, I don't feel like it's an R. Okay. So uh, my boys are really enjoying it. So we're all having a good time watching it. Um, it's primarily kid actors. There's four or five kids in it that drive most of the story. There's okay. a few teenage actors in it. Um, Winona Ryder is one of the few adults that has okay. a leading role. Is she the mom? She is the mom. Okay. She plays a very frantic, very kind of wigged out mother, hmm. and she does it pretty well. Okay. She's irritating, but she's supposed to be irritating. That's kind of the role she's playing. Gotcha. Uh, David Harbour, who I don't know anything about, plays Jim Hopper to leave, lead a sheriff in town. Hmm. And then you've got um, Matthew Modine <laughs> as a Dr. Martin Brenner, and that's all I'm going to say about him because he's kind of a mysterious character. Um, basically, you've got monsters. You've got weird alternate dimensions you've got great science fiction yes some of the plot is a little hokey and some of it's a little cheesy but also i think the directors are very intentionally wanting this to feel like a very throwback 80s type of show even the title sequence of every episode is very much i mean you can almost see the vhs grain in the background and the words coming in with the music the music throughout the whole series is very 80s Hmm. Uh, it's just, it's a really good show. Okay. Very well done show. Um, I'm having a great time with it. I'm seven out of eight episodes in. I got one more. I could come back next week and say, nope, never mind. The whole series sucks because the eighth episode was bad. I don't think it's going to happen. Seven eights was good. Yeah, so I know, but, but it is one of these things where the last episode has to be good to, oh. to button up the whole show. Okay. Um, but I think there's some really good young actors in this, in this series that we're probably going to see do more things going from here. Okay. And it's written and directed by, they call themselves the Duffer Brothers. Don't know anything about them. I looked at their IMDb demo, uh, bios. They've done a couple low-budget horror films before, but nothing major. Hmm. So they're credited as the Duffer Brothers as writing and directing this, creating the whole series. Gotcha. And it's it's a lot of fun. It's okay. really good. I'm so, going to check uh, that out. Yeah. And that's uh, to me, it's a close enough to a film that I'm going to use as a recommendation. But um, I'm curious to hear your thoughts after the first couple episodes. Okay. So, yep. Yeah. Okay, so that is our show today. So we recommended the films Boy from 2010 and the TV show Stranger Things on Netflix. Eight episodes available to watch now. We talked about Ghostbusters. We talked about Star Trek Beyond. We talked about news items all across the board. So a lot of good stuff in the show today. And uh, Chris, if people are interested in having a dialogue with us or just kind of connecting with us further, what are some different ways they could do that? easiest way is probably to drop us a line at info at the mesh.tv that's our email address just put our candle films in the subject line tell us what you like didn't like what movie we should review or how we got one of our reviews terribly wrong tell me how ghostbusters was the most amazing movie of all time tell tell me about that or tell me how i'm really wrong about kate mckinnon and suggest something that i can watch that will improve my impression of her. I, I don't know i'm gonna send that's you some link for some skits i'm okay. gonna send you a link fair for enough. some skits on china live that'll change your opinion of that fair enough um there's also uh at the mesh we have back catalog of all of our shows you can catch up on other episodes you can look back to our discussion of star trek into darkness or there's also the episode where we discussed after earth both of those were reviewed uh 
And you can probably nice guess throwbacks. what our reviews were. <laughs> but, <laughs> nice uh, throwback there, You can Chris. check out those episodes as well. Um, in iTunes, which is one of the many places you can get our podcast as well, you can watch it on the website, mesh.tv, or you can go to uh, – iTunes, if you happen to be in iTunes and you're so inclined to mm-hmm. give us a rating or to write a review, either one of those gets us you know, more listeners and stuff, which obviously we, we dig the listeners. So, and it costs you nothing. And since the podcast costs you nothing, hey, why not do us a solid and, and help us out? We'd really appreciate it. That would be awesome. Um, you know, it's, it's a thing. Also, we would be remiss if we didn't tell you. Obviously, we're Foot Candle Film Society, kind of started the podcast. We have our film festival. It's our second annual film festival, September 23rd to the 25th. We have gotten the lineup together. We're going to be showing some really good films. Mm-hmm. Uh, be on the lookout for tickets. will be on sale to the general public in mid-August. Around mid-August, about August 15th or so. So, And we've already got word back from some of the directors and people involved that they're going to be able to travel for the festival. So that's always cool as well. Yep. So uh, it's definitely going to be good. And actually, if you want to see the films that are on, on at the festival, go to our website for the festival, footcandlefilmfestival.com. There you can actually see a list of all the films that are being shown, get a little sense of what they look like. Uh, and then you've got to come August 15th, you'll be able to go and actually buy tickets. Right now, you could go, by the time you listen to the show, you'll be able to actually go and just see the films and get a sense of the schedule. August 15th, tickets will go on sale to the general public. So um, our Foot Candle members, if you're a member and happy to be listening, you sh- should have gotten notice about email uh, an email about tickets going on sale a little earlier for you. Yeah, One yeah. of the perks of membership. Uh, so we hope to see you guys all at the festival comes September 23rd. All right. So with that, we're going to wrap up the show. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Got any feedback or thoughts, please get in touch with us. Let us know. Next time we get together, we'll review a couple more movies and talk about some other movie news and recommendations. Uh, And then, of course, we'll keep you posted as we get closer and closer to the film festival. Thanks, everybody, for listening. See you in the ticket line. Special thanks to Carpal Tuller for the show theme music. For more about Carpal Tuller, visit www.carpaltuller.com. You've been listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Check us out online at themesh.tv. Discover other network shows and give us feedback on what you just heard.